Amen. Thank you, Sean and Emma, for being here this morning. Yeah. Welcome to Communitas Church. My name is Mike Gary. I am the pastor here. And at Communitas Church, we exist to love God, to love people, and to build uh, disciples who walk in grace, who grow in their faith, who connect in groups to explore their gifts and generously use those gifts to serve in and around the Brainerd Lakes area and around the world. As Sean said, we worship in a number of different ways. It isn't simply limited to song, right? Like we have been created to worship. We are worshipers of something. And today we, and and throughout our lives, we as believers profess that we are worshipers of someone, and that someone is Jesus. And so we worship through singing. We worship also just through gathering, just the very nature of our coming together, being here, opening up our lives, and submitting to one another. Uh, is in itself an act of worship. We will, in a little while, get to worshiping through listening to the proclamation of God's Word. But before we do that, we're going to worship through communion. And uh, the way that we do communion here is, is, is we celebrate what's called open communion. And so that means that if you are not a member, uh, as long as you are a follower of Jesus, you are welcome to come to the table with us. Parents, we, we look out, we know there's a lot of, there's some little people here, and so parents, we, we trust that, uh, we trust them into your care and that you will make the decision as to whether or not it is appropriate for them to come forward for communion. Now, what is with communion? We talk about it as, you know, this supper, as this meal, and we look at it and we're like, uh, gluten-free crackers and organic juice. Not super exciting, right? Like nobody's going to, you know, that's not going to feature anything. John Madden isn't going to talk about that on Thanksgiving like he does with the turducken, right? Like nobody's going to get super jazzed about that. No one's thinking, oh man, yeah, we got the communion meal today. Really got to, we got to prep for that, right? Like we don't, we don't spend a great deal of time, you know, hours preparing for this, do we? I mean, nobody's, nobody's stayed up late making sure the table was just right. All the fixings were we're in place. No, right? I mean, it's like Leanne gets the, the crackers at a, a Whole Foods place and we buy the juice at Costco, right? Like there's, there's nothing uh, uh, magical about this food, but there is something very sacred. Right? And this is something that we do prepare for, is it not? Not only do we, do we prepare to partake of it, but we prepare and, and our lives are, are, are lived out that we would preserve what we celebrate here in communion. And so what communion is, is it's a time that we come together and we come to the table and we acknowledge that we have been forgiven and that we are walking in grace. And we talk about connecting in groups and, and, and communion is, that's what we're doing here, right? We're connecting not only with, with the Father, but with one another. And so by coming forward and, and taking the elements you're professing and acknowledging not only to yourself, but to those around you, I'm a believer, and we're all in this together. And so what this does is, um, and we're going to take a few moments here now just to be in silence. Um, I'm going to talk for a while. We've sung for a little bit. We're pretty high in the auditory thing in our culture, but one thing we want to also build into our, our practice, into our, our faith, is the ability to listen, the ability to hear from the Lord. And so we're going to take a few moments in silence just to think about God and and what has he done and, and who is Jesus and how did he live his life and how does my life reflect 
Jesus' life? And then who is the Holy Spirit? And how is the Holy Spirit working in me so that my life would look more like Jesus' life? That my life would look more as, as God has intended it? And that we would partake in what the Holy Spirit is doing, moving all people and all of creation toward that moment where all things have been made new. And in a room this large, I'm not so naive as to believe that everyone in here is like, yeah, I'm, I'm totally down with this Jesus thing. So if you're in here and you're going, I have no idea what this guy is talking about, great, we're glad that you're here. You are among good people. And uh, we welcome those questions and would love to have that conversation with you. And so if that's you, I just encourage you to take this time to think about those same three questions. Who is God? And what has he done? And who is Jesus? And how did he live his life? And how does that inform the way that I live my life? And who is the Holy Spirit? And, and how might the Holy Spirit be working in me today? Because if you're here, if you're listening to the sound of my voice, I, I just want to venture a guess that the Holy Spirit is doing something in your life. And so I just pray that, that we would take the moment to acknowledge what that might be and to get around people that might help us understand that better. Um, so we're going to take some time in silence. And so, kids, you all do a great job of this every week. I'm always super impressed. And so we're just going to take that time in silence. And, and parents, if, if kids get a little squirmy, there's no shame in that. We're not, uh, we're not here to judge. Um, and so we're going we're gonna to do as, as best we can to be silent during this time. And as you're ready, come on forward, grab the elements. Uh, we've got some set out to the left and a few more over here to the right. And so if this is looking a little thin, go ahead and hopefully over here will be a little more flush. And uh, grab the elements, come back to your seat, and then I'll read some words from Scripture and we'll all partake of this meal together. So Father, we thank you for this time that we're able to gather together to sing songs uh, to and about you. Um, and Jesus, we thank you for your life and the way that you have lived and how you've given us this meal uh, to remind us who we are and who you are and how we're to live our lives. And so Holy Spirit, we pray that in this time you would convict us of the ways that we do not live as we ought. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would also confirm us in the ways that that we're doing well, that we would continue to do that. All that we would better to convey your truth and your kingdom throughout the world. And so speak to us now. Quiet our hearts, still our minds, that we would be able to listen to you. In the creation story, uh, the fall happens as a result of a meal. Right? Adam and Eve tempted with fruit. Tempted so that the brokenness and the, the, the hopelessness and the shattering of humanity is done over a meal. And so it's a, a very little surprise that that the Lord uses this Passover meal when when he brings the people out of Egypt to talk to them about redemption. It's a very little surprise that Jesus then sits his disciples down and the last time that they're together, the last conversation that he has with them before, he, before the, the passion sequence begins isn't a sermon. It isn't another tutorial. It's not a lesson in the kind of the academic sense that we think. But it's a meal of remembrance to remember who we are and to identify how we're to live our life moving forward. 
And so he does this by rewriting the script and, and, and taking the bread and breaking it and saying, take and eat, this is my body. And then he took the cup and we, when he'd given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Lord, we thank you for your, your grace and this covenant that you've drawn us into. Lord, we pray that we would walk in your grace to grow in unity with you. Amen. Okay, at this time there are some blue buckets that are making their way around the room. Feel free to throw your cups in there and we will, can, we will uh, recycle them for you. Um, at this time we're, uh, we're going through Ephesians and so this time Mr. Greg Fagrin is going to come on up here to my right and... Uh, He's going to read the passage for you today. We are in, we're continuing in Ephesians. Uh, this is the last, so we've been in Ephesians 1, 3 through 14 for the last, I don't know, half a year or something like that, it seems like. And, and why have we been doing this? Okay, well, this is, this is Paul is eulogizing, right? So he's, he, to eulogize is to speak well of. Not just to talk about somebody after they're dead, but to speak well of someone. And so he is speaking well of the Lord who is very much alive and active in Paul's life. And, and what he's done is he's kind of moving the people through into this very brief summary and talking about who God is and what God has done so that it would better inform us as believers. So um, if you have a paper Bible and want to pull that out, Ephesians is about seven-eighths of the way through. Uh, If you flip through and you start seeing names like Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, keep going, you'll see things like Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians. You'll get to Galatians. Then you'll see Ephesians. If you start getting into like Philippians, Colossians, and then some other names, just flip a little bit back to your left. And uh, that'll be there. If, you're, uh, if you have a mobile device and you want to follow along there, feel free to take that out, tap, swipe, do whatever else you need to do to find that there. If none of those, avail- are, if none of those options are available to you, the words will be displayed on the screen behind us. So, Greg, whenever you are ready. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, in Christ, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he has predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, in which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he has lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he has set forth in Christ, as he plans in the fulfillment of time to unite things in him, things in heaven, and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according, according to the counsel of his will, so that we, who are the first to hope in Christ, might be praised in his glory. In him you also, when you, were, when you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is guaranteed in our inheritance until we acquire possessions of it to the praise of his glory. Amen. Thank you, Greg, and thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that it has been preserved throughout time and that we're able to read it freely here. 
And we pray for the church around the world where that is not the case. We pray that we would work toward that end. Amen. Okay. Kids, thanks for hanging out with us here today. Not the least excited to head out that direction. So feel free to follow Henry and Mark and uh, Eleanor. They are on their way. Uh, Sue and Megan and Pam and Leanne all have a great uh, lesson plan for you all back there. And so, Lord, we thank you for Sue, uh, for Rachel, for Megan, for Pam, uh, for Leanne and for Bob and their service of your kids back there. And we thank you, Lord, for these kids. Um, And we pray, Lord, that we would would act in a way that would exemplify what it is to follow you. And so we pray that, that we would raise up more leaders to lead these kids and that with those kids we would praise that we would bring up more leaders um, to lead their friends in your ways. Amen. Okay. So uh, one thing you may know about me, I like stickers. I don't know if you've ever like seen, I mean some people are just sticker people, right? Or like, you know, you drive, there's this guy out on Oak Street, if you drive around, he's got this like he's always got cool cars out and he's always got all kinds of cool signs and like do you ever see those like you ever been been in people's shops like that where they just or like some restaurants where they've just got cool signs all over the place like I just I love those places like old barbecue places I think especially and so like what do what do these stickers say right like they they talk about some of my interests maybe so like the KOA so I travel a little bit um you know I've got some some different products on here Bell Ray they make motorcycle uh, lubricants also got a sticker on here from Raphael's, which has nothing to do with with wrenches. It has everything to do with donuts, but I've yet to find anything that a donut doesn't go with. So, whatever, put it on the toolbox. We're good to go. You know, maybe you've seen it on a uh, on a coffee cup. You know, like just and and if if you couldn't already know that this is mine, you know, if if somebody was like, oh, I, th- I think I think I have all of these stickers and I put them on my insulated thermos. I went so far as to go ahead and just in case, I put my last name on there, right? I've, I've sealed it with, with my name so that I know and that you know that authentically this is, this is mine. This is my insulated cup. And, uh, and some people are like, man, you just totally, you know, just graffitied that thing up. You know, some of us, like we like to express ourselves in some way. And some of us are like, I want no brands. I want no images. I just want classic. I want simple. I want minimal. You go to Ikea and you just, you're like, yeah, this is it. Just 90 degree angles and perfect circles. That's what I'm into. And for you, hey, that's great. I, uh, I also can get down with just a very standard, classic Stanley, unchanged, I think, since like, I don't know, whenever vacuum bottles were created. And so, and, and what is this, what is this about? There's this word that I, I learned in uh, the movie Meet Joe Black. It, Nick, can you put that word up? It's imprimatur. Does anyone know what this word means? I had no idea either. It was in this really great monologue, and, uh, and I was like, what does that word mean? And imprimatur, it's, it's a seal. It's, um, it's like a, a signet ring. Does anyone know what a signet ring is? Like if you're seeing, the, like back in, the, back in the old day, if you were going to send a letter to someone, like right now we have these cool address stamp things, you know, where you just go like, chunk, and then it puts your, your name and your address and everything on the envelope which I just love. I don't know why I'm so lazy that I can't just write it out, but there's something cool about just like, ka-chunk. Also because my handwriting is poor, and so where the, the letter is going to go, it's probably going to come back to me because even the postmen are like, eh, try again. Um, and so this seal, though, what that was, so you used, to, you used to have a ring, 
and you'd like drip some wax on an envelope, you know, fold it all up, drip some wax in there, and then seal it with this ring. And that way, whoever would deliver it, then you'd know that, oh, this was sealed by this person. So whatever was contained inside of this envelope or inside of this package is from the person who bore this seal. It, and, and not only is it from that person, but it's been authenticated. I know that it's there because nobody else has this seal. No one else has this image. This is theirs. And so, and that's, that's kind of trickled down. And so now it's, you know, I know I've, I've kind of cheapened it, right, in that, like, I mean, how weird is it? Like, let's, I know some people think it's really weird that Yeti coolers, like you can buy hats and stickers that advertise your cooler, which seems a little bit weird to me, but I'm also the guy that has a K&N filter sticker on my toolbox. Like, I'm so proud of my air filter. Like, that's kind of weird. But it speaks to this central thing within us that we want to be sealed. We want to be known. We want to express ourselves in certain ways that authenticate us and seal us as our own and expresses our own values. Whether it's a value and, and placing value in something that's greater than us, or whether it's just some, placing our value in something that serves our own purposes. And so today, when we, when we read through what Paul is, is talking about, or excuse me, last week, we, um, I said that we talked about what we get, right? Does anyone remember seven days ago we talked about inheritance? And, and we said that this is kind of a two-part deal where first we're going to talk about what we get, and then next week, so this week now, we're going to talk about how we get it, okay? And so when, when we look at what, what Greg was reading, and so we're going to just focus in on just those last two chapters, those last two verses. So in him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So this is the last little bit of this long eulogy, this 212-word run-on sentence that Paul wrote. And, and this is the last little chunk. And we're, I just want to point out a couple things. First off, so this is in him. So in Christ is who he's talking about. It says, you also. So we got, and remember, we always want to think in context. That's why even though we've only been preaching these two verse chunks, we've always read that whole sentence, just so we're always, we can always take a step back and see the story of Scripture for all that it is, right? And so when we, when we look here, we've got to think, okay, so based on the other verses, who's the you? Okay, so let's, Nick, can you bring up that picture of uh, the temple of Artemis? Um, so if we remember, the Ephesian church was, was planted, or this letter that's being written to the Ephesians, written to a group of people that this is, this is where they're at. This is where they're hanging out. The third largest city in the Roman Empire, the, the kind of the epicenter of, of commerce and cult worship in Asia Minor, hanging out in modern-day Turkey. Okay, And, and what it, remember what we said about, about this building? Is it a little building or a big building? Pretty big building. And uh, Max, do you remember what it's, what it's made out of? Marble. He's the man. Max, he gets this stuff locked in. And... And, and how many pillars? Does anyone remember? 127. And how tall are they? 60 foot. Big building, right? 
And so, and so Paul is writing to these people, and, and so we have, it's, it's a mixed audience. It's not just members of the nation of Israel that he's writing, but it's a, it's a, it's a very diverse population. So Paul is writing so that we can have unity and diversity. So whether you like stickers or whether you like the, the plain and the simple, he's writing to both of you. Whatever the categories, say, I want, we, yeah, you're all pretty diverse, different folks, but we need to all become, we've got to come under center under Christ. And so he's, he's writing this letter, and he's talking about all of, and basically, what, is, what, what has he done for the intro? Like, he just says, casket empty, right? He's saying, okay, so God created the heavens and the earth, and then through Abraham, he, he made this, this covenant people, and then at the, the mountain of Sinai, he brings and he, and he gives them the word so that they can, they can live by that, and then, you know, puts a king over them so they can, that, uh, because they wanted to, not because they needed one, right? They had God, and they're like, hey, let's, let's have a king, okay? So then he, he had, got the king, and he moves forward through the period of, of uh, you know, the, the united and the divided monarchy into the period of, of exile. They go away, and they're waiting for who? The Messiah, and that's the, the middle part here. He's to, uh, talking about Jesus, when he talks about predestined us through adoption, through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. So now he's talking about Jesus. He's setting up this kind of Trinitarian theology. And so we talk about this period where, where the nation of Israel is waiting and longing for the coming Messiah. And then that period comes, right? A few 30 years before Paul writes this letter, Jesus is walking on the earth, is crucified, died, and is buried. And then shortly thereafter, season of Pentecost comes along. That's the P of casket empty. And so Pentecost comes and the Holy Spirit comes in this, this very different, very new way, very tangible, indwelling spirit. And then we get teaching and yet to come. And, and so we see the last part of this letter is all about what's kind of this rounding out of this Trinitarian thought and helping the Greeks to understand for the Gentile believers who they are and what they're a part of. And so Paul is saying, hey, there's, you, know, you don't have this Old Testament background. You don't understand this, these redeeming purposes that God has been working all this time. And so real quick, he just flies through it, thunders at home, and says, I need you to see this. I need you to get it. And, and, and so we see that through, that it was God's created order, God's idea, and he set the stage to show Jesus as the Redeemer. He says, you've been adopted Right? We talked about this a few weeks back. We've been adopted as heirs by the blood of Jesus. And then he turns to him and he says, and now you. We see the gospel moving outward. No longer just for the nation of Israel, but for all people. And so if you and I, and, and most of us here, I don't know that there are many of us who are um, ethnically a member of the nation of Israel. So this, this passage here, like, I celebrate this passage because this, like, this comes home to me. In him, you also. That's me. Because I'm, I'm ethnically not a member of the nation of Israel, right? We talked about that. I'm Irish-German, not, not a member of the nation of Israel. And so when all of a sudden it says, in him, you also, we see all of a sudden Paul is, is looking out to this very diverse audience and saying, it's no longer about whether you were born into this or not, you have been adopted into this now. Not about your ethnicity, but it's about the work of Christ. 
the Spirit dwelling in you, having adopted you as sons and daughters, as we sung about earlier. And so he's saying, we've got to get this. So often they worshipped inferior, impersonal, inessential gods. And he's setting up and he's, and he's kind of just dipping his toe into the doctrine of the Holy Spirit and saying the Holy Spirit is ultimate and personal and because of the blood of Christ and God's purpose of adopting you as an heir, this Holy Spirit, this ultimate and personal person of the, whole, of the, of the Trinity has sealed you, is living in you to accomplish the, the purposes of God that you would praise him according to his glorious grace. Is this like good news just a little bit? Right? It's just, I, just, I need you to live as Christ by the Spirit. We'll read in Galatians that you know, these, these attributes of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and self-control. These are, these are the marks of, of the believer and the ways that we, we treat one another well. It doesn't grieve the Lord, but pleases the Lord. Right? So we're sealed by the Spirit, not to grieve the Lord, but to please the Lord. And, and so, what's, so, so what I want to talk about a little bit today is is we're going to do the same thing. I, we're not going to go headlong into the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. If you're looking up here and you're like, Mike, nerd alert, calm down. Like, take 20% off. It's going to be okay. We're just going to kind of dip our toe in and, and just see what it's like. Because how many of us would say that we, like, when someone wants to talk about the Holy Spirit, that, that we're like, oh yeah, I feel comfortable with that. I've, I've, I've read all sorts of, I've done a lot of Bible studies on the Holy Spirit. You know, I've spent a considerable amount of time praying about the Holy Spirit. Yeah, right? Does anybody just feel like, man, I just, I just got a lock on the Holy Spirit. Me and the Holy Spirit, we're tight. Anybody? You know, no, like this is one of, you know, in, in our modern church, we kind of flex. We go to the Jesus gym and we work out our Bible biceps, right? Like we know the word and, and God, like we can get God, right? Like God's just big, Right? Like, even, even from when you're little, you're just like, oh, yeah, like, someone, tell me about God. Oh, God's huge, right? Like, God's the creator of all that is, is seen and unseen. And, and we can get that. We can conceptualize that. And then, like, oh, who's Jesus? Oh, Jesus was this dude who, who came, and he showed us how to live, and he died, and he rose again. And, and as a result of that, like, now we're able, to, uh, we're able to join in his mission, uniting all things and, and redeeming and making all things new. And you go, okay, well, tell me about the Holy Spirit. And it's like, um, I, I don't know. Like, is it, and, and, and as a result, we kind of, like, the Holy Spirit is sort of this forgotten member of the Trinity. And thankfully, like, to, you know, like, in the last maybe 10, 20 years, there's been a little bit more authorship, a little more scholarship, and we've sort of taken the Holy Spirit, and people are starting to, to think more about the Holy Spirit and to study and to experience the Holy Spirit in a way that is Trinitarian and biblical and a little bit less weird, right? Because while we can, we can certainly take God and Jesus and any member of the, Holy Spirit, of the Trinity, including the Holy Spirit, to various non-biblical extremes, it seems like in our culture, the Holy Spirit is the one that is most underdeveloped. It's like going to the gym, and, and I don't know if you spend any time in the gym or if you see people that walk around like in the summertime with the tank tops, and they just got like these huge bulging muscles 
up here, and then these little chicken legs, right? Like, has anybody seen that guy at the beach? Like, you're going out to Zorba's, or you're hanging out on the lake, or whatever, and you just see, like, this guy, and, and you're just convinced that you could just tip him right over because there's no base down here. So throughout the Old Testament and throughout the working of the church, the Holy Spirit has been the force, the power that has been empowering the people, empowering the leaders of the nation of Israel. The Holy Spirit is the person of the Trinity that is behind the divine word spoken through the prophets throughout the ages and who's authored the words that we call the scriptures or the Bible today. And they're authoritative, not simply because they were inspired by him, but because they are his words. And that, that same force, that same power, that same person has sealed us and is living within us that we would live as Christ. So we need to understand that we, we've been marked to live as Christ by that same Holy Spirit that hovered above the waters, that was there when the Lord cut the covenant with Abraham, who was there when the Lord gave Moses the Ten Commandments at Sinai, who guided the prophets as the kings went wayward, who instilled hope in the people of Israel as they were lost in exile and waited in expectation and, and, was, and continued to spur them on during the period of the temple. And when the Messiah came and at his moment of the baptism, when the Father came down and said, this is my Son with whom I'm well pleased, and the Spirit filled the Lord as so he would go out on mission, we're to join in that. That's, that's what's so sacred about baptism is that it confirms in us like, what we are to do, how we are, partake, how we are to partake in the life of Christ, joining with what God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit are doing. And, and then the Holy Spirit continued to work at Pentecost and pour out more words into the apostles and to the writers of Scripture, continuing to spur hope toward what is to come. Because, and, and so if you're, if you're listening to Paul's words for the first time, if you're, if you're a first century Gentile or if you're in here today, one thing you might notice is, is the Holy Spirit is, is moving us somewhere. Right? Like I've always found it and I've, I've used this phrase before, and I always catch myself like, oh yeah, the Holy Spirit was really moving. Like, is the Holy Spirit ever not moving, Mike? Like, no, the Holy Spirit is always moving. It's just sometimes you're not in step with the Holy Spirit, or you're just sitting there like a bump on a log. Right? And so, and so what we see is that the Holy Spirit is moving us as a people, as a church, in a direction. moving us toward redemption, moving us toward at the end of Revelation where we read about all things being made new in Christ. And so if you're a first century Gentile and you're listening to Paul's words, you might be thinking, well, this is really good news. Because when I go to this temple and I leave my money and I try to manipulate the gods and read you know, the signs and try to understand what's going on, I have a very impersonal experience with a very non-ultimate being. And it leaves me feeling kind of empty. I can go to all these places, bakeries, places of travel, 
I can go you know, see all and, and, and do all this. But this ultimately isn't going to satisfy me, is it? We've been created for, for satisfaction in the Lord. We've been created to be redeemed and to be sealed. And so it's important that we, we move from a theology which is simply cerebral, simply in our mind, to something which is lived out and experienced. That said the nerdy way, we have to take our orthodoxy and move it to orthopraxy. What we believe must inform what we do. It cannot simply be a matter, an, an exercise of the mind. But it must move to be an exercise of the heart and the soul. This dichotomy between what I know and, and what, I, what I feel and do, that's not something that, that, that's, that's foreign to Hebrew thought. So like when God says, love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, it's just a really nice over-encompassing way to just say, love with everything you have. Love with it all. And sometimes we go, oh, I get it in my mind, but I don't really quite feel it. And that's, that would have been foreign to someone like Paul. Not foreign necessarily to some of the Greek thinkers. And so we've got we to bring that together. And so what, is what we, we continue to learn about the Spirit in our mind, we need to put into practice through our hands and through our hearts. And why is this? Well, because it is right to praise the Creator. God is the highest being, and so it is not by our will or for our purpose, our purposes that we praise, but for God's will and for God's purposes. Just as, as these various brands, whether we advertise them or don't advertise them, right? Just as that changes the way we think, feel, talk, and act, so must the Holy Spirit change the way we think, feel, talk, and act. So one theologian wrote, the extent to which we are living in holiness and love is the extent to which we are conforming to God's will. And so if we don't get this, okay, if we don't understand that we need to be sealed by Christ, if we don't understand that we are supposed to worship a being who is ultimate and personal, well then, these promises are not available. Right? Like we, we read about the Lord adopting us, that we are heirs, that we have been redeemed, and if we don't live out of this sense that we are sealed by the Spirit, then those promises are not available to us. And it's only the wrath of God in which we will exist. But it, and we'll continue to chase after impersonal, inessential, inferior spirits and purposes. Not that any of these brands or experiences or anything were, were meaningless, but ultimately they don't, they don't satisfy. They will not cure the wound of sin on my soul. And so the choice is will we pursue and will we be sealed by that which is redeeming or that which is empty? In a few chapters, we'll get into uh, Ephesians 4.30. 
Or the word says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. I've always found that interesting. It's like, wait, God can be offended? Well, I've been created in God's image and I can be offended. So it, it seems to reason that, yeah, God, God can be offended. Because sin is offensive. That is the right response to sin, is to be offended. And so this starts to hearken up of, of, of what are we to do then? If we are not to grieve the Holy Spirit, if we are to walk in a way that is redeeming, and if we are to live out of this seal by the Holy Spirit, what does that look like? What is the, what is the response been the whole time? What is, what is Paul doing? What is this eulogizing? What is he doing? He's speaking well of God. He is praising God. And so we should praise God as we see life in light of our future hope. So just two quick application points. If you're a note taker and if you like alliterations, today is your day. So two thoughts. Confess and construct. What are we to do? We're to confess and to construct. So as we're sealed by the Spirit, we don't grieve the Spirit, we don't grieve the Lord, but please the Lord. And so we do this by confessing, right? We said not, not just information. So it isn't about just how many books can I read? How many times can I read about various theologies on the Holy Spirit? But to actually praise not the information, but the informant. To praise and to pray to and with and by the Holy Spirit. You notice uh, Sean and Kelly, when they, when they sing, they do a really good job of picking out songs that, that don't just talk about God the Father or God the Son or even God the Holy Spirit. But you'll notice that even in our, in our worship, we, we, we pick out songs and we use words which express a Trinitarian theology. And if you're going, Trinitarian theology, that's a big word. That sounds confusing. Yes, it is. I don't understand all of it. It's baffled theologians for thousands of years. So if you haven't come to the end of it, that's fine. You're in good company. But you notice that we, we need to bring out and, and build a more robust understanding of what it is to, to worship and to, to know intimately and to worship the Holy Spirit. Because it is by that Spirit that we have been created, that we're able to worship, that we have been redeemed, that we are adopted and have been sealed. And then second, construct. We talked at the beginning of Ephesians that, that we've been united. We're a people, we've, we've moved from, from a we, you, an us, and them to all things being made new. We've talked about the upholding of this, this unity and this diversity. We look around the room. Is there any one of us here that is the same as another? Even if you are an identical twin, You've had different experiences, different thoughts, different feelings. And what's happening? We, we celebrate community, communion, and what does it do? It's bringing us together. Right? We talk about this where it's, it's not just us, communitas, that we're being united to, but us, the church. So whether you're here or whether you're across town or whether you're north, south, east, or west, all around the world, all throughout time, God is working to bring all of his people, diverse as we are, united under Christ to make all things new. 
And so as we construct, what are we constructing? We're constructing the spirit of God, or the, the kingdom of God. And we do this by participating in the spirit, going out into a lost, dark, and hopeless world, and bringing light and healing to a people who are broken and needed. And so this is why we, we walk in grace, right? This is why we grow in our faith. This is why we connect in groups so that we can participate together to push back against the gates of hell and to bring healing to those who need it. And we do this, right? Like, what, you know, if you've, if you've been to, to our groups, you notice that, you know, we've chosen to go geographical and to try to do multi-gender, multi-generational. Why? Because it isn't merely just through our social pleasantries that we need to be united. Like, it's really easy for me to just get together with some people, talk about the Lord, live in my own echo chamber, and have an experience that is congruent just with what I've already experienced. Does that sound like stagnant to you? Does that sound like a recipe for a lack of growth? You know what doesn't grow or it grows bad things? Swamps. Why? Because they're stagnant. But when we seek unity in the Spirit and it draws us to people who aren't necessarily like us and we're, and we're around people and we're united not by our own social pleasantries but by the Lord, all of a sudden we're able to, to see things from different angles, to come from different vantage points so that we're better able to go out and to convey the truth and the hope of who Jesus is to the world around us. So remember that you have been sealed by the Spirit, not to grieve the Lord, but to please the Lord. And so as we gather in here this week and we take these various roads to come here and we go back out into the world, who are the people this week that, that you think of that you go, man, they need to hear this message? Who, what's the, what are the, their names? What are their faces? And what would it look like for us to go out and, and to be the church that not just here at Community House, but just the Christian church? What would it look like for us to, to live out of this? To own this being sealed in the Spirit? To go out and pray with and for our neighbors. To bring hope and to be transformed that qualities like love Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and self-control would live in us. Not so that we would look good, but so that we would, how does Paul say it? That we would be so to the praise of his glory. Pray with me. Lord, Holy Spirit, guarantor of our inheritance, sealer of our faith. Continue to work in our lives where we know that if, if we are here and if we have sung these songs and if we have listened to your word, if we've listened to me talk, we know, Lord, that the Holy Spirit is doing something in our lives. And so, Holy Spirit, continue to work. And I pray, Lord, that by your Spirit we would hear 
we would listen, we would respond in belief. Lord, not just for a, a one-time decision, but for an everyday decision that we respond to you and go forward. Holy Spirit, continue to, to bring names and faces to our minds of people that don't yet know you or could use encouragement that we would not only confess your truth, but we would also construct your kingdom. That we would go out and that we would be your church in the Brainerd Lakes area and throughout the world. You've been sealed by the Spirit. The same Spirit that empowered the nation of Israel to come out of Exodus. The same Spirit who is the authority of the words that we read in the Scriptures. That same Spirit has sealed you to be the church, to become whole, to live redeemed. That Holy Spirit is ultimate and that Holy Spirit is personal. That Holy Spirit lives in you so as we gather to scatter that we would go out and live lives that demand an explanation and that we would give it in the authority of that Spirit out into a lost, dying, hopeless world. We've been sealed that we would go out and to hold it to ourselves, that we go out to be a blessing. We have been redeemed to redeemed. So grab your kids if you brought them back there. Join us in the back for some simple carbohydrates and caffeinated beverages. Get to know one another and celebrate this fact that we have been sealed. Go in peace.